that's a growler. Do you feel like you took a wrong turn in life? Welcome to Morrow's Motivations, where we talk with people who educate, motivate, and captivate you with inspirational stories. Here's Dontrell. Hello, welcome to another episode of Morrow's Motivational Podcast. I am excited today because I get the opportunity to introduce all of you to a very good friend of mine, and also I like to call a very, very awesome professional mentor who has been able to, in the last, oh my gosh, I'd probably say the last decade, honestly, be able to go from one point of his life where he is building people and helping in his community um, to now being a professor who is a doctor, I should call him. Uh, <laughs> you don't my, have to call me doctor. <laughs> my personal doctor over there. <laughs> I want to introduce everyone to Dr. Bronson Herrera. And I won't call you doctor. I'll just call you Herrera if that makes you feel better. <laughs> that, that is fine. That's fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So I teach at Northwest Missouri State University mm-hmm. this weekend's homecoming. And so I'm oh, wearing my uh, my IP shirt here. <laughs> I don't look as professional as I usually do when I'm on campus, but it's homecoming weekend. So, so a lot of football and, and parades and partying. And <laughs> so I'm trying to fit in. You know what? I don't think it takes that much for you to even have to try. I mean, <laughs> my goodness, you look like a student yourself. I know. Just saying. Oh, I get, they, I get, <laughs> they get confused all the time. I'll talk to other professors and they'll be like, are you one of my students? I don't. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a faculty member. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize that you, you were a professor. <laughs> well, like full disclaimer, since we've known each other for my gosh, I think it's it's almost been eight years now. Maybe even even longer. I think we met in 2010, right? Or 2009, maybe even. That's right. Oh, my gosh. It's been 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. <laughs> very, very early in like life's education at that point that we met. <laughs> yeah. I, if you don't mind, share how old you are. So I'm 29 years old. 29. Don't look a day over 20. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, uh, it doesn't, I went through graduate school quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I was very efficient in graduate school, but I, you know, I, I had a, a child and another one on the way and I was mm-hmm. married and I felt like I needed to hustle. And so I, I got through grad school at a fairly young age and was very blessed to get a job. So right mm-hmm. out of grad school, uh, which I know is a struggle for some. And uh, so no complaints. <laughs> no, that's absolutely amazing. That's one of the reasons I wanted to really bring you onto this podcast, because I feel like you have a message that will resonate with all of us that really go through difficult times in life and challenging times. And mm-hmm. there comes a point where you have to you know, make a decision of whether you're going to keep going forward and moving forward with something, even when it seems daunting or in some cases impossible or if you're going to just turn around and say well you know i gave it a try and i'm going to leave it at that and so you your personal story i love because you i mean 
to achieve a doctorate degree by age, you know, 28 mm-hmm. is, is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I wanted to just go through a few questions that, you know, I feel will let you be able to kind of like convey your story to everyone. But I would like to start first with just having you share a little bit about yourself, like about where you come from and kind of what like some of your early motivations were into being into your current field. All right, I can do that. So I grew up in a small town, West Boylston, Massachusetts. Um, Mm -hmm. And my dad was military until I was around, I was six years old where he was hurt and had to leave the military. And so we moved up to Massachusetts at that time. Mm -hmm. That was a time of, uh, how should I say, financial stress for my family. Mm -hmm. My dad had to leave the military and, and there are some benefits with that, but still a lot of struggles. And my dad barely made it through high school. He jokes that his high school teachers made a deal that, fine, if you go into the military, we'll let you graduate because we need you out of this town, right? uh, (laughs) That was a terrible thing to tell anybody, but, but, you know, he really struggled with with school. And uh, my mom had a little bit of college under her belt, but met my dad while he was in the military and and ended up getting married and, and leaving school. And so for my dad particularly, but also my, I mean, for both of them, mm-hmm. uh, school was always seen as an avenue to, to learn, to develop yourself and to, to be able to have opportunities and to be able to network with the right crowds to be able to move your life forward. And mm-hmm. so to them, it was really important, which had a huge influence on me growing up. Uh, my dad always was proud of the fact that I was going to college and you would tell people like no one else is doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it mattered so much to him that his kids were going to school and to my mom as well. That had a profound effect on me in my early years growing up. Mm -hmm. Then I went to to BYU, Idaho for four years Uh and met a couple of mentors there. When one of my mentors, Matt Miles, told me I should go to graduate school. I actually was trying to pursue education through a different avenue, Mm -hmm. uh, but came up short and didn't get a job that I was hoping to get right out of undergrad. And he said, you you should go to grad school and mentored me to get through there. And I went to the University of Kansas, got my master's and PhD there in political science. Nice. You know, bringing up the mentoring aspect, that's something that I feel is a big component to what helps people to realize their full potential and to be given the opportunity to learn from and grow and, you know, the guidance of someone. So when you were going through your early stages of college, because I know when we first met, I don't think you had attended college at that point when we first just met together and our nice little social circle. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask, like, did you see yourself growing up to accomplish this big thing that you've done? Well, so no. <laughs> so no. But, uh, so my mom always wanted me to be a psychologist. I like listening to people. I was like one of those kids where um, other people would tell me things, kind of their struggles. And mm-hmm. I always like to listen. And I would take that home and I would discuss that with my parents. My This friend is having this trouble. This friend's having this trouble. Mm-hmm. This is what I told them. My mom always thought you would make a great psychologist. She said, if you go into psychology, you'll have to get a master's. And so when I started off, I that was my mentality. Okay, I'll go into psychology, be a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I'll get my master's degree because, you know, that's a requirement. So I did know grad school was 
possibly in my future. Mm-hmm. But when I got to school, I kept being pulled in the direction of politics. I'm, I was always interested in history and politics. Uh, and that increased while I was in school. And to my mom's dismay, uh, <laughs> I, I decided to, to go into politics, to political science, and which was hard because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with that. But I saw so much tension in the world around me. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a, a dad who's a Democrat and a mom who's a Republican. Oh, wow. That's another story. I, didn't know, I don't know if you didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So election times were a little stressful sometimes. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, um, and I just wondered why we couldn't get along, why we can't talk to each other love each other despite that we disagree with each other in heated ways on deep issues to be sure but why can't we get along with each other and so i i was interested in politics and i tried to learn more and more about what was dividing us in politics and now i understand why mm-hmm. it's so divisive mm-hmm. but that kind of got me in, into political science and then my mentor matt miles told me i should go to grad school I was one of those students who did the readings. He was like, "Well, he talks in class. He does the readings. He actually, he to he actually saw that you were engaging and and the subject and wanting to learn." <laughs> yeah, I was interested why why things were the way they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I definitely want to talk about your mentor and that influence that you had. But I just want to say, you know, because I know when we met, I never knew that that was a focus or a topic. But what a good precursor to have at home, like. Because you can probably oh, navigate yeah. this so well between seeing different opposing political views in the world, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is nothing. Like, you should have saw mom and dad on election night <laughs> if you think it's bad. Yeah, there were some, there were some two conversations sometimes. I remember 2008, I remember 2012. <laughs> a lot of debate. So where you were during those big times, that's like your big, you know. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I remember my dad talking about voting for Barack Obama and my mom talking about voting for McCain or Romney. Mm -hmm. I know that. And and they talked, they debated and they talked uh, not a lot. I I would say both my parents care about politics Mm -hmm. and care about the world around them, Mm -hmm. but they don't love politics like I love politics. You know, my family (laughs) always loved to talk about what's going on in the world around us. Mm -hmm. We did at the dinner table and things. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I don't want to paint the picture like they were fighting or politics all oh, the time, no, no. but, but just, it definitely came up. It definitely came up. I just mean like um, that you were probably has given you some good inspiration because yeah, definitely. you saw how they obviously are a married couple and they were able to work oh, yeah. through that by just having civil conversations and discussion, which yeah. I think we all are capable of definitely doing in the country. And I hope that we'll continue to see more of your example and even your parents' example out there in the world. Yeah. But as far as when you were in school, now you mentioned your mentor who helped you. What were some of the top ways that you felt he has prepared you for now the role that you play in education? That's a great question. So I have to say two things or uh, talk about two people because mm-hmm. my mentor is Matt Miles. He's in my field. Uh, I'm still in contact with him. I was emailing with them just two days ago, but there was also another professor that had a profound impact on me because I did a minor in education mm-hmm. and he did uh, educational psychology. Mm-hmm. And he really opened up my mind to say that you need to be intrinsically motivated, which means inherently motivated to love education. You have to love education. You have to be educated. It's a state of being, right? 
it's not an amount of knowledge obtained. He really opened up my mind as well to look, I, I need to learn how to love learning because that opens up avenues. Mm-hmm. So he had a profound impact. His name was Chris Wilson in the uh, education department at Brigham Young University, Idaho. Mm-hmm. And then Matt Miles helped me tremendously by number one, letting me know that I was noticed mm-hmm. and that the work I was putting into my classes was noticed and that it was unique, that he felt like I did love learning mm-hmm. and that that would qualify me for graduate school. And graduate school is so much reading, as you know, oh, yeah. so much reading, so much writing that if you don't like to learn, there's no possible way to get through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he also helped me with, uh, he you know, he wrote my letter of recommendation going to graduate school. He's an alumni from the University of Kansas, uh, so he knew who to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got when I went to the University of Kansas, I went fully funded with the scholarship on top of that, and I attribute that a lot to him sticking up for me, saying this is the type of student that Bronson is, and he will be in your program, and he will be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that had high expectations when I got in, I, I would say, uh, from my professors. Mm-hmm. But it also meant that they were willing to invest in me. So that support from Matt was amazing. We're still talking about doing research together because I'm a new faculty member now. So I have to do this research. And he's mentoring me now in that, helping me to navigate how to do this research. So I can only imagine how proud he would be of you to to see that you really took, you know, what you learned to heart and wanted to make a difference and gave that part of yourself. Well, I have to tell you a story about that. So when I got the job at Northwest Missouri State University, mm-hmm. I got started getting emails from my old faculty, from the professors that I had in my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Dr. Her. Congratulations. You got your PhD. We hear you got a job. That's so incredible. We know how hard it is to get a job in this environment in academia, oh, especially to get a tenure track job. Mm-hmm really hard. Education is moving towards this philosophy of hiring adjuncts that find harmful to education, but we won't, we won't go there. But uh, 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 but to get the job, and, and I was like, how do all these professors know that I got a job? Well, Matt had they had a faculty meeting, and Matt was telling them our student got a job. He, he graduated. Mm-hmm. So yes, he is very proud of me, and I know he brags about me. And so it's nice to know. That is. Now, as far as I guess you talk about grad school and I know, you know, from my experience, it is very rigorous and especially being, you know, a young married couple, you and your wife and having two children. Yeah. How did you get through those challenges to make sure that you got all your academic responsibilities done? That's, you know, a long story, but I'll be brief. (laughs) So I had my son finals week of my first semester in grad school, my oldest child. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to be a father. I didn't want to put off having my family uh, and neither did my wife. And so we decided to do that. And we knew it would be terribly hard for me to be in grad school and to have a child, but we didn't know how hard. I'm grateful we did it. Because if we knew how hard it would have been, I'm afraid we wouldn't have done it. But I think having my children born during that time helped to motivate me. Because mm-hmm. uh, I knew I like this isn't I'm not playing around here. I have to get my degree and I have to get 
a job. Mm-hmm. I can't just sit in grad school. Where people get trapped is while doing their dissertation. They'll power through the classes mm-hmm. the first two years of a PhD program and they'll sit there mm-hmm. and try to make the perfect dissertation. I had two big advisors at KU, two big mentors. One, uh, Mark Joslin, who as soon as I came in, he was the grad director. As soon as I came in, it's like, look, we're not going to play around. We're going to get you through as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you have a family. My wife is pregnant already when we got to KU. We're going to push it. We're going to push you Mm -hmm. to get through all your classes. You're not going to take any extra classes or something that students do. I'll take the extra classes, which it would be nice, but you're wasting time. Once you get your PhD, you should be able to know how to learn on your own. So you don't have to take all these additional classes. You get through school, take the classes you have to take. You do well. You learn. You learn how to learn. And then you you write your dissertation. The best dissertation is a done dissertation. My other mentor and my uh, department chair, as well as the chair of my dissertation committee, is Donald Hader Merkel. Mm-hmm. And that's what he would always say to me: the best dissertation is a done dissertation. Oh, I so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and say that my dissertation was the best dissertation coming off KU in 2018, but it was a done dissertation and I got a job. <laughs> so both of them pushed me, and uh, Mark and Hader Merkel, Don, both told me that to jump on the job market my third year, which is unheard of. Right. And and people are like, why are you other other faculty member? Why are you wasting your time applying for a job right now? You're not going to get a job. Focus on your dissertation focus on your family a little bit more. And they were concerned about me. And I appreciated the concern mm-hmm. from these other faculty members. They were seriously concerned about me. Mm-hmm. I remember when I told them that I got the job, <laughs> the tenure track job, and they were shocked. But, you know, it was Dr. Hader Merkel, Dr. Jocelyn telling me uh, and pushing me to do it. Mm-hmm. When I got the job, they were, they were shocked too. <laughs> uh, they were telling me it's possible, it's possible, it's possible. I think they were a little shocked and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Hader Merkel even told me, he's like, you know, cause I got through, through my master's and it was a dual master's PhD program. I got through in three years and, uh, which is unheard of. It's the fastest anyone has done it out of KU. Wow. Uh, Hader Merkel told me, you know, like we thought we could do this with someone, mm-hmm. but they weren't supposed to have kids and they weren't supposed <laughs> to, it wasn't supposed to be you, but you know, I wanted it. Mm-hmm. I wanted it. And so, so it was me. And, uh, and I had my daughter during that time, too. Wow. Uh, so right after I finished my comprehensive exams, I told my advisor, Dr. Adrian Merkel, my wife's pregnant. And he, he swore. He was like, crap. <laughs> because he, he was like, and, and then he felt bad. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's, that's a wonderful thing. But he's thinking, oh, you're going to have another one? We're trying to get you through this program. And my wife, you know, my wife being the tremendous person that she is mm-hmm. like they, they were nice i stayed in my office at ku reading and, and writing late into the night early in the mornings mm-hmm. she was alone a lot but we both knew that if we could make the sacrifice up front that there'd be payoff at the end of that mm-hmm. and there has been mm-hmm. there has been so dude that's awesome how how did you feel when you realized that you were like going to win that all, oh, like that you were going to achieve that and that you did. How did that, you said everybody felt so shocked uh, when you told them the news. How did you feel? So I, I was shocked too. I, <laughs> look, so, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a religious person. Mm-hmm. I remember doing a lot of praying because I didn't feel like I was adequate. You know, I'm a first generation college student. Mm-hmm. The first in my family ever on my dad's side to get a degree. First one in my immediate family. 
my older brother has since come back to school and, and got his degree too. Mm-hmm. And now my, and then my younger sister went to school and got her degree. I was the first one. Uh, actually, my, I got my PhD the same year. My brother got his bachelor's cause he came back mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, so there was a lot of self doubt, a lot of my goodness. I'm, I'm skipping a little bit. Like my, my grandpa never got a high school diploma. My dad barely got a high school diploma. So I thought if I could just get a, an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. that I'm moving, I'm moving the family forward. Mm-hmm. But then to get a master's and then get a PhD. So I did a lot of praying because I, I had a lot of self-doubts. I remember thinking or feeling like the Lord was on my side too. And that he wanted these things for me. That if I was willing to allow him put me in this situation, because I do feel like he put me in the path of Matt, in the path of Jocelyn, Hayden Markel. I feel like he knows the beginning from the end. And, mm-hmm. and there were some times where I was like, I thought the Lord was crazy for thinking someone as broken and as inept as me could do something like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I had those fears and those, those self-doubts, but I always felt like if you push and you do these things, that you'll be successful. And I had great parents who told me that my dad, I mean, still cries whenever he talks about me getting my PhD. Mm-hmm. It's just so mind boggling to him. And uh, he's so proud. And so I was shocked too. I was shocked when I got the call and they said, I remember you know, I was watching Dr. Joslin teach a class. I was his TA. And so I, we sit in, in the front of the class and, and, and we listen to the lectures. So that way, when it's our turn to teach the lecture, uh, or to give the assignments, we can we can build off of what he he's been teaching. Mm-hmm. So he had just let class out, and I get this phone call. So I run to the very top of the lecture hall, and I'm trying to because students are noisy as they leave, and <laughs> I'm on the phone. And Jocelyn's looking at me because it's not like me to grab my phone, you know, right after lecture. You know, usually we get together and we talk about how lecture went and mm-hmm. talk about the students, and mm-hmm. and I'm up there in the corner talking, and I, I raise my hands up give him the thumbs up and he was he was just so ecstatic his face he was just like because he knew he knew i got the job and and people kept telling him too so the other faculty were frustrated with jocelyn and hayden raquel for for pushing they felt like it was harmful to me to my family Hmm. he thought that i it was harmful to the education that is needed to prepare me mm-hmm. to get the job. Mm-hmm. And and they said, no, you know, he could learn, he can teach himself so much mm-hmm. uh, and we can teach him too, but he could teach himself so much, let him, let him go for it. And so I think Jocelyn and Hayden Raquel felt vindicated right. as well that I got the job in three years. I did what they said I could do, even though I think they doubted it <laughs> and I doubted it, but we're telling everyone else is possible mm-hmm. and it was possible and we did it. That is amazing. I, Herrera, I love that. I love the fact that you said really how your faith, you know, your faith in the Lord really helped you during, I'm sure, some of those somber moments when, you know, oh, yeah. it was just you and your family and trying to figure out how to balance that work-life balance and that work-school balance. Yeah. One thing that I, and I found to be the common denominator with a lot of challenging moments like that is how a person looks at their self. And you mentioned mm-hmm. self-doubt. And I think that, that yeah. is a very big thing. I know personally, I've experienced challenges with that and how I see myself when I was going through my graduate program and you know, mm-hmm. just in, in life circumstances that come up. But one thing I wanted to have you do is I want you to 
kind of just take a moment and think and share what I like to call your motivational moment and give you this spotlight to answer this question that I hope and I believe will help others. How do you define success? How do you measure that? And what advice would you give to others about how you personally define this success, how they can attribute that into their life? I really uh, define success as getting up and doing, you know, when the anxiety comes or the self-doubt comes. I mean, the thing with anxiety or, or self-doubt or depression in these things is that it's debilitating. It makes you not want to act. And so where success comes in is in the face of that. And sometimes you, people need counseling, medication to help with that because mm-hmm. uh, these things can be really, I mean, they're real things. But doing whatever you need to do to in the face of that, to continue to move forward and to try to take opportunities It's in the trying to take opportunities, making opportunities for yourself and trying to take those opportunities. That's what success is. It's it's not the end. It's not the the job at the end. I I would have been successful had I not gotten the job Mm -hmm. in 2018. I would have been successful. I still would have been learning, developing. Uh, I still would have been pursuing opportunity. I think it's in the pursuit that we find success, not in the end, the product. That's just the what that's just the champagne <laughs> that comes after success. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really in the drive. I see a, a lot of these motivational videos. Have you seen these like out on like on YouTube? I, I don't I uh, see a lot of them out there. But what do you mean? I see a lot of these out here. I see like people really like these type of things, like these motivational speakers, motivational movies. I feel, I feel like there's like a movement of this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's partly because we all realize that it's in the fight, it's in the pursuit that really we're defined as successful and not successful. And people love stories like that. Mm-hmm. It's why we love Rocky Balboa or <laughs> what Disney movies even. Marvel movies, mm-hmm. you know, Lord of the Rings, it's the journey. And we're all trying to figure out how to be successful in the journey. I mean, it's in that portion of it that you grow and develop. And it's that growth and development that makes you successful. Definitely agree, brother. Definitely agree. And, you know, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. I know yeah. being the the weekend it is up there, the home homecoming weekend like you you've got a lot of things to do on this little brief recess that you have before yeah yeah oh, it's, it's fun <laughs> this is yeah oh this is important stuff yeah it's important work that you're trying to do to uplift people and i think people are hungry for it people are hungry for mentorship uh, people are hungry to to be successful in their journeys and so i i, I see what you're doing as a wonderful opportunity for people to get inspired and, and to move forward on their own paths. Thank you. So thank you for what you do. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. And again, thank you. I'm sure you are a bright light to your students there at the university and that I know that they're lucky to have you personally. And thank you all for listening out there today. I hope that you were able to get some good insight from these wonderful topics that we talked about on mentoring and the power that comes with being a force for good out there in our communities. I hope you will join me again in another episode and have a wonderful day. Till next time, please be safe and keep being motivated. 
Thank you for listening to Morrow's Motivation. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend. Wow, something is really different on the growler.